You're listening to the Sprint Hard Iterate Fast podcast, where we look inside the most innovative companies creating exciting new jobs. I'm your host, Reggie James, and I've worked with many startups, three I co-founded, two that scaled to employ hundreds of people. On the Sprint Hard Iterate Fast podcast, we're getting candid stories and trusted career advice from CEOs, CTOs, and product leaders who are building amazing teams right now. Want to learn how to stand out and be noticed by some of the top tech companies worldwide? Hang with me as I uncover the secrets of their success. On today's episode of the Sprint Hard Iterate Fast podcast, we've got another Melbourne Maverick Tech joining us. Ant Stevens, the founder and CEO of Six Clicks. Ant, I believe you also co-founded several other businesses, Qdos Technology, Need. I hope, I hope I'm saying that right, a B2B e-commerce platform. Uh, you've held executive technology leadership roles at Dimension Data, Spotless Group, KPMG. You're a published author. You've done a lot. I think our listeners would love to know a little bit more about you and about your career journey. Yeah, terrific. Well, thanks for having me on your show. My story starts, I, I grew up, uh, I live in Melbourne at the moment, but I grew up in Geelong. My, um, my mother was a concert pianist. My dad was a, an academic. I got introduced to, to software or technology at the age of 13. Uh, this is going back a little while. So, you know, 1990, you guys can, you know, do the maths. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I got introduced to technology. Uh, my dad actually did some research for Apple back in the back in the days, and and got given a Mac. And you know, it was one of those experiences as a as a kid. You know, I sort of uh, dove straight into sort of learning how to write software, and you know, spent night after night, uh, you know, exploring that world. And that was right about the same time when the internet was kind of kind of coming online with um, you know dial-up modems and all that kind of stuff bulletin boards and and whatever else so that's kind of my my passion i you know winding the clock forward a little bit more i spent you know a bunch of time at uni looking at you know business law a whole heap of different stuff computer science uh ended up joining comtech in the day which was which was a systems integrator uh, focusing on networking and cybersecurity and firewalls and all that kind of stuff, and uh, you know, cut my teeth there in the in the very early days uh, as a consultant, and then uh, got into sort of management leadership roles. And when I was about 27, 28, uh, I took on uh, a role as chief information officer at Dementia Data. It was about a billion dollar business at the time. So it was a big. Um, Big jump, uh, I suppose, opportunity yeah. for me at the time, and uh, then went on to sort of climb up that corporate ranks, uh, largely in sort of IT leadership roles, but ended up at um, uh, KPMG as a partner there and chief digital officer for the firm locally and, and around the world, sort of trying to think about how technology would be used to uh, drive efficiency in the service delivery model for KPMG, obviously one of the biggest advisory firms in the world. Uh, and also the sort of technology that was out there that would help the clients of KPMG with problems related to you know, tax, risk compliance, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, that's essentially the, the experience that led me to think through uh, the opportunity behind Six Clicks. And, and I can talk to you a bit, a bit, bit more about that as, as things go on. 
Nice. Very cool. I, I noticed you said you were kind of playing around with, you know, computer stuff and programming at 13. I, I remember doing that as well. Right. And uh, for me, it was breaking my dad's computer. So yeah. I had no clue what I was doing. But I love I love tinkering with that stuff. I'm wondering, when you think back to your childhood, was there uh, a defining moment that, you know, may have led to where you are now? Do you think there was something that that kind of kind of, you know, set set things in stone at that stage. 100%. It was that it was that moment. I mean, I, I can remember vividly my dad, you know, I'd written this article for Apple and Apple said, look, we, we, we need to give you, you know, we need to compensate you for the research that you've done. And in those, my dad wasn't particularly a commercial guy. So he was like, look, I, I don't need anything. I've got a computer at work. And they said, well, look, we'll send you a, we'll send you a, you know, one of the latest Macs. And he bought it home sort of not really having you know, anything specific to do with it. And I was just fascinated by the ability to automate stuff, right? I was like, software is is brilliant at, you know, taking concepts, building it once and having it repeated, you know, thousands or millions of times in exactly the same way. Um, and I, I found that fascinating. So I was sort of, sort of dove, you know, jumped straight into the code, right? I was looking at C++ and, you know, software called Hypercard at the time and, you know, lots of different things like either, you know, hardcore programming, but I was kind of probably a little softer. It was more about the business opportunity associated with software and how uh, it could be used to to drive automation. Uh, so yeah. that was certainly a turning point for me because I just felt, you know, uh, as much as I was interested in lots of other things around business and ultimately that's what I do now is, I, you know, I run a company, uh, but technology is sort of, very much what fascinates me and, and I'm curious about. So I like to learn and explore as much as I can in relation to technology just about every day. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, it looks like you've definitely stayed on that path because yeah. now you're you're the founder and, and CEO of Six Clicks, which is um, I understand an AI powered governance, risk, and compliance platform. I believe you guys have an apps marketplace that's connected to it. You've got an integrated content library. Can you tell us more about about Six Clicks, what you're doing? I, I, I also just kind of tee up. There were some some announcements I saw recently, which I want to talk about in a second too. But yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about Six Clicks and and what you're doing, what problems you're solving, who you're helping? Just give us the whole spiel. Yeah, great. Well, um, as I mentioned before, the the sort of backstory or the idea behind Six Clicks, and I'll, I'll tell you where, where the name came from too. Lots of people uh, ask me that. But, you know, the, the, the idea came when I was at KPMG, you know, obviously working for a large services company. I felt that there was an obvious opportunity for, you know, advisory firms or managed service providers as, you know, quite often they're similar beasts, to use technology and as part of using that technology, uh, more effectively engage with their client and give their client a piece of technology, not just advice, not just a Word document or a PDF or in a spreadsheet, but actually a system that they could use ongoing to solve their problem. Because like most organizations are looking for advice, but the reason why they want the advice is because they want to ultimately solve a problem, right? Get to a better operational state. And to do that, I think everyone recognizes in today's day and age, you you know, you can't do that effectively using spreadsheets and Word documents. It just, you know, for complex problems related to risk and compliance, it's too hard. Um, so with that, I, I, along with my co-founders, Louis and Andrew, we looked at the market and sort of identified that, you know, there was lots of really old, long-in-the-tooth software. And I'm sure everyone's experienced using clunky, hard-to-use stuff that's been implemented or built 
10, 15, 20 years ago. And interestingly, in the GRC market, there's there's a lot of that stuff out there. It's a pretty fragmented market. That's a lot of lot of small players and a lot of old players. And what we felt was we wanted to build something that was really fast, contemporary. We wanted to bake artificial intelligence into, which I can talk about later, right in from the outset. But the thing that we sort of cottoned on was onto was the architecture that underpins six clicks. In other words, the way that it's deployed. And we call that architecture hub and spoke. And the hub and spoke architecture describes the use of the system by, for example, an advisory firm, MSP, consultancy, who can white label the platform so they can put their own branding and they can put their own intellectual property into the system. And then they can use that as part of their service delivery model, but then effectively roll that out and, and provide that as a, as a turnkey GRC system for their clients. So that's kind of where we started. We found that, you know, with that architecture, it was very appealing to large enterprises, right? So if you anyone who's experienced working in a large company, they would know that quite often companies break themselves up around maybe geographies or maybe divisions or maybe product lines or service lines um, or even just functional areas, right? You've got the IT department, you've got the HR department, you've got the finance department, whatever. And whenever you do that, there is just a, an, a natural sense that, you know, things are not going to always be run in the same, exactly the same way across those different areas of the organisation. They've got different needs, uh, perhaps different maturity levels. Uh, they're going to adopt technology at a different pace because of the importance to them. And so we found that this hub and spoke architecture provided this, you know, really powerful unlocking capability for large organisations such that they could roll it out you know, at a team by team level, maybe, as I said, geographically or, you know, based on divisions or functions or whatever it might be, they could roll out the technology, roll out Six Clicks platform um, by team, but also have common standards and reporting and analytics that existed across the whole organisation that was kind of pushed down to those individual teams. And that's the, that's the secret behind our platform. I mean, we we have a lot of functionality that helps companies with, you know, internal audit, vendor risk assessment, uh, risk management, you know, compliance mapping, a whole heap of stuff that automates um, those problems. But the way in which the technology is deployed makes it really easy to adopt, and that's the that's the key bit. Um, so that's the that's the sort of six click story. We're now, um, you know, I've got a you know absolutely amazing executive team. Um, some of the best people in the world that I've had the opportunity to work with, who are who are really experts in their in their respective domains. We've now got offices around the world in the US, the UK, and obviously Australia. And uh, yeah, things are things are growing and, and continue to grow incredibly well. That's that's a really fascinating story. And congratulations on on the growth and success and and the team that you're building. Um, I'm, I'm interested to know. You kind of mentioned that. You know this space is is quite fragmented. I want to understand. Um, you know how has your solution been disruptive to that industry, and and what impact have you had so far? What have your customers said about you? You know using your platform. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean we've had success working with, you know, some of the largest companies in the world. Um, you know who who have adopted our platform for the reasons I talked about before that hub and spoke architecture. One of the things that we've done a little bit differently is also in relation to our pricing model. 
so when we when we you know obviously people are sensitive to cost they they're looking for you know good bang for buck uh, they're also looking for things that you know remove some of the complexity associated with buying software typically uh, for example you know a lot of software that's out there at the moment you know is priced based on a, a per module basis or a per user basis we sort of eliminate both those concepts so you you get access to the entire system and you can roll it out as much as you like for you know a single fee and that gives people you know i think confidence in terms of budgeting cycles and procurement activity and so on um, so that's certainly disruptive i think the other thing that you know customers talk about is how quickly it is for them to get up and running with our platform we integrate uh, content directly into the the functionality in the system so by content i mean audit assessment templates standards laws regulations etc we integrate all of that stuff directly into the system and you can also build your own so we don't lock you down to one or two frameworks um, there's some other software out there that you know is kind of good for standard or framework x y and z but not particularly useful for anything outside of that we sort of try to uh, accommodate uh, a huge number of standards out there but also allow people to sort of you know uh, inject their own uh, into the system as well so it all it all it all goes to this idea around deployment with confidence in a very quick and easy way that works for organizations of all sorts of you know shapes and sizes Nice. Very cool. And I understand that you've had some recent innovations to your AI Haley yeah. and a new partnership. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that? That's no, really exciting. I mean, we, we actually going back to early 2020, about three years ago now, it was right before COVID, you know, kind of kicked in. We actually just launched our product pretty much three years ago this week. And if, if you remember, this was kind of like the end of the Australian summer was when... Yes, it was. You know, that's when yeah. the COVID, you know, the Wuhan virus and all this kind of stuff kicked off. So right then, actually, back at that time, we, we were working with a, a bunch of PhDs, you know, super smart guys who were focused on artificial intelligence generally. And we targeted them to work on a couple of compliance-related problems that we saw related to understanding mapping between you know, different frameworks, particularly around cybersecurity that existed out there, you know, at the time. And, you know, a lot of people spent effort in Excel spreadsheets trying to solve those problems. And so we we sort of said to them, okay, if you can crack this nut, uh, we want to start, you know, incorporating artificial intelligence into our, into our business model and into our product right from the very outset. And that's what we did over the last, you know, I guess two and a half, three years, um, that investment in artificial intelligence has continued, but, you know, probably six months ago, probably mid last year when we were starting, we've, we've been watching, you know, the sort of neural network, NLP, machine learning kind of space develop over the last few years. And we, you know, obviously saw some of the players emerging, including OpenAI with their GPT-3 uh, and soon to be GPT-4 capability. And we thought that was really exciting. It was really exciting because a lot of the stuff around risk and compliance relates to content. Um, you know, it's typically the purview of, you know, lawyers, risk professionals, et cetera. And they, they need to kind of describe risks or they need to describe, you know, policies or controls or obligations. And the only way they can do that is typically with words. And those words need to be uh, correlated or traced back to, um, 
you know, the laws that exist out there or the standards or compliance obligations that they've got. So we thought it was just a, it was a really simple way to kind of help drive productivity by using the GPT-3 engine to help define, you know, controls within a policy for an organisation, which is quite often a situation where people are staring at a Word document trying to dream this stuff up or, you know, cutting and pasting stuff from the web or whatever it might be. Uh, and we've done the same for uh, in the risk management space as well for helping, you know, to help companies uh, define and describe risks uh, effectively. So it's a couple of areas where we've we've felt that our business is, is very much focused on automating and driving productivity enhancement and artificial intelligence is a good way. It's not the only way to do it, but it's a really good way to do that. Um, and so we wanted to kind of bring that GPT-3 um, capability closely into the product. And, you know, we released that, uh, we launched that a couple of weeks ago and, and we've got a webinar coming up very soon, you know, sort of showing people exactly how it works and what it does, which is exciting. I think that's really fascinating. Many many listeners would have only recently learned about OpenAI and ChatGPT, you know, kind of at the close of 2022, and you guys have already integrated into your systems. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about innovation and what is the role of experimentation and failure in your company's product development process? Yeah, I mean, we 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 actually now it's like a lot of startups when we when we started our journey we we fixed on a couple of key things that we we felt we're not we're sort of Louis and I and Andrew the the initial founders we just felt we're going to be disruptive and and kind of change the game and they were the hub and spoke architecture the artificial intelligence engine we call Haley and our content library and the way that that's integrated with the the platform those things still exist today and we you know we just spent a bunch of time kind of creatively thinking about what are the problems that exist in the market and how can we solve that in a different way? I look back on those times and think, you know, some of those whiteboarding sessions were so, you know, had such a massive impact still to this day in terms of the, the direction and the trajectory that we've been on. But I think, you know, winding for the clock to today, most of the innovation or most of the uh, activity that we do from a product and engineering point of view is dri driven by our customers. We've got hundreds of customers around the world at the moment now. So I'd say probably 80 odd percent is driven by their requirements or the input that they provide us to our roadmap, uh, which is great. Um, I think, you know, one of the challenges for any business is to still maintain a degree of uh, independent innovation, if you like, because you end up with that sort of challenge where you know, people are making recommendations or requests or trying to innovate based on what they know. And sometimes that's a bit of a trap, right? What they know is not necessarily what they need. Uh, and, it, and it always reminds me of, you know, that, that uh, journalist quote or that journalist comment from uh, to Steve Jobs when, he, um, when, when they released the iPhone and they were asking, you know, you must have done a huge amount of, you know, uh, market analysis to understand how to how to have built the iPhone, and I think you know I'm paraphrasing, of course, but his comment was along the lines of, you know, it's not the it's not the customer's job to define what they want; it's our job to tell them what they need. And it was sort of, you know, I mean, I think that was you know obviously incredible and uh, amazing approach that Apple took. And I'm not drawing a parallel in any way to what we're doing. I'm just suggesting that it's important sometimes to maintain your own sense of innovation 
without shackles, without constraints, and thinking, you know, very broadly about the market, because I think that's where some of the, the best creativity kicks in. How do you balance that, though, Ant? How do you balance the need to respond to customer demands, what your customers are asking for, and then also inside saying, well, how do we push, you know, how do we push the boundaries ourselves? How do you, how do you create space to continue to, to innovate that way when you're right. building a business like you are? You know, it's a challenge for us at the moment. We're, we're sort of in a couple of months We're we're sort of planning to, to release and share with the market the concept of Six Clicks Labs, right, which is a way in which we sort of really go back to this idea of recognising that a lot of the best innovation comes when you get smart people in a room without shackles thinking about the art of the possible. And we want to we want to actually focus this concept of Six Clicks Labs on, you know, working with partners, right, the advisory firms or the consultancies that we work with and we're, we're super focused on. We want to involve them in the process too, right, because we recognise that, you know, we've got some great people, fantastic thinkers, but there's plenty of other people out there with ideas and expertise that we want to tap into as well and, and kind of co-innovate with them. So I think the concept of either, you know, innovation ourselves internally or innovation based on, you know, customer needs, we're, t- we're going to take the next step and say, okay, let's do that together, right, with industry experts who are focused on solving problems related to, for example, ESG or tax or privacy or things that maybe we don't we don't have the same uh, degree of expertise around ourselves, but you know we, we've certainly got a platform we think is, you know, super scalable and and can meet a lot of those demands or expectations really quickly. Awesome, folks. Perhaps they've heard it here first. Six clicks labs yeah, is on the right, way. It's a bit of a bit of a sneak preview, but I'm, I I guess I'm sort of sharing where we're going is a bit of a first us, then our customers, then together. That's kind of the that's kind of the model that we're we're working on. I love it. Um, and you've mentioned your your co-founders and you've mentioned your your executive team a few times. Uh, something we like to do on the Sprint Heart Iterate Fast podcast is create space for a shout out opportunity if there's anyone you wanted to shout out. So I'm, I'm wondering, is there anyone, any uh, example of an employee or a team that's played a key role in shaping the company culture or driving growth that you can think of? A hundred percent. It's, it's going to be a long list. Um, I want to I want to probably call out Heather Booker, who's um, our chief technology officer, she's she's actually got a PhD in cybersecurity and 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 matters very technical. Um, a brilliant, just a brilliant, brilliant leader. Um, you know, a, a very interesting person. I'd I'd strongly recommend you get her on your on your show if you if you if you'd like an introduction. I can tear that up. But you know, Heather and I met uh, probably about eight months. Ago, um, she's uh, she's she's based in the states, based in Montana, and and now looks after for us our customer success uh, team, which spans both the people helping uh, for customers that are looking to, to to join us and and use our product, as well as those that are already on board um, on the platform and are looking to get the most out of it. So yeah, she's she's a fantastic person. But look, you know the list is long. Um, we've just actually made a big announcement around uh, Mark Harris as well, who's um, just joined us to head up globally a partnership and alliance program specifically focused on global systems integrators. You know, the likes of Deloitte, PwC, Accenture, uh, et cetera, that um, we're, we're certainly uh, working with and, and wanting to, to continue to invest around. Mm, very cool. Um, a little bit more on that 
on, on that kind of team and culture a bit, because um, I think our listeners want to hear, you know, people that they can emulate and, and understand, right. well, what, what was successful about them? So I'm, I'm wondering, um, just in, in terms of the culture that you're developing, how do you maintain a positive and productive culture during times of growth? Yeah, I think I mean for us it's 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 been challenging too because we were we were COVID born right when when I was talking about three years ago when we kind of kicked off the product there was I think there was six or seven of us in the in the company there's now I think fifty two fifty three right so we've grown just about this entire time you know virtually we had the opportunity actually to 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 meet face to face a lot more in recent times but you know it's been a challenging I I, I think a lot of it comes down to communication. We are really uh, committed to making sure that people understand what we're doing in the market, why we're doing it, and you know, effectively what our purpose is. And you know, there's a lot of investment now, in particular, to to make sure that's shared across the team. I also think the thing that really unites people is a sense of progress, right? Like people want to feel as if good things are happening and things are moving quickly and progressing effectively. We've always been uh, pretty fast moving. I, I think that the, the opportunity out the market for the reasons I was describing earlier is is huge, but it also, you know, the way that we're tackling that is to, is to move quickly and be really agile. And with that comes a lot of progress. So when people feel as if, you know, um, results are coming in, customers are happy, the product's getting updated and, and continually refreshed and there's new innovation coming right down the line, it gives them a sense of kind of inertia. And it's that inertia that I think has sort of underpinned the development of our culture. You know, we, re- we release new stuff in our product just about every couple of, couple of days, right? Like at least once a week. That is very, very different. Most of the incumbents out there in the market, you know, legacy competitors, et cetera, might be once a year, once a, you know, once a half, right? So that sense of progress um, I think is 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 really motivating and exciting for everyone that's part of our community globally. Nice, that's really cool. I, I like that, and I think that that is right. You know, people wanting to feel like they're contributing to something that matters, and and, and seeing progress and that's moving forward makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, can you discuss any unique or unconventional perks or benefits that Six Clicks offers to their employees? I mean, I, look, you know, I, I think I think it's it's for me personally really exciting to work at a company that's early stage. I'm obviously one of the founders, so there's a reasonably unique perspective. But I think when at this stage in our growth, and we've got people knocking on our door all the time looking to join, you know, they're looking to actually be part of that journey, right? They're looking for more than, you know, a, a, a paycheck. They're looking more than a job title. They're looking more than more than you know, just working with smart people. They actually want to be part of something that's shaping up to be, you know, pretty pretty significant in the market. And, you know, so that opportunity I think is probably the biggest the biggest perk that most people would would probably relate to it at six clicks. Yeah, very good. And I always like to close our shows asking our guests to give us three pieces of advice to anyone that wants to apply and work for your company. What would you tell our listeners um, as advice for if they wanted to reach out and, and join Six Clicks? Uh, I, I reckon there's kind of a couple of ingredients that are ultimately lead to people being successfully gener- just successful generally. And one of those is, you know, a really strong work ethic. We care about that a lot at Six Clicks. 
we also move quickly, as I described before. And the third thing is we're, you know, we're really open to ideas. So I guess for people that are interested in working with us uh, and and joining the team, you know, being able to articulate or, or communicate along those lines, but particularly being able to say, hey, um, we think you could do X, right? We think there's the opportunity to do something that's unique. We've seen an opportunity. We've seen a customer that, you know, you should talk to or that, you know, a market that perhaps you haven't considered that you should uh, get into. So I, I reckon, you know, kind of the combination of those those three things would be um, certainly very interesting to us. Fantastic. Ant Stevens, founder, CEO of Six Clicks. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Really appreciate you being here. No problem. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sprint Hard Iterate Fast podcast. You can find this episode's show notes and additional resources on www.beakerandflint.com. As a bonus, for the first 100 people to subscribe and leave a review, I'm giving away copies of my new book, Scale Up Culture. Scale Up Culture will give you a leg up in your career by showing you how fast-growing tech companies are building their teams. Stay tuned for more episodes on Melbourne's Tech Mavericks, 10 companies shaking up their industries in 2023.